And welcome to Booze and the Bible, a podcast of the sanctuary where we discuss the good book and good booze. And now, here are the hosts of Booze and the Bible, Dan Robb and Mark Wadsworth. Welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. He's Mark Wadsworth, the brewmaster, and I'm Dan Robb, the theologian. Today we will be discussing that ever-popular topic, is drinking alcohol a sin? I think that this is a worthwhile discussion, considering we are doing a podcast uh, while drinking and evaluating different alcoholic beverages. So what do you think, Mark? <laughs> Good point. Hey, well, since we're supposed to be drinking and pontificating, let's check out our beer for today. Uh, we're going to try an authentic English pale ale called Old Speckled Hen. It's brewed by Green King Moreland Brewery in Suffolk, England. The beer has an interesting history. Old Speckled Hen was first brewed in 1979 in Abingdon, Oxfordshire, and it was made to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the classic MG Car Factory Hmm. uh, on November 30th of 1979. The beer itself was named after an old MG car, which was used as the factory runaround. They'd park the old MG Featherweight Fabric Saloon outside the paint shop where it would normally get spattered in paint, and so it became known as the Old Speckledon. Is the best, that's the best bread I can do. Anyway. That was a good one. This turned into Old Speckled Hen when the beer was unveiled. In 2000, Green King bought Moreland, closed down that first brewery, and moved the brewing to Green King's uh, Bury St. Edmunds Brewery. I picked it for us because it has a score of 79 on Beer Advocate which for a British ale is really good, since the truth of the matter is most American beer drinkers just don't understand the subtleties of British beers, and so they just kind of turn their nose up. Hmm. Hey, let's pour and uh, see what we think. Here we go. Well, I'll tell you what, I am pleasantly surprised by the old speckled hen. And I have to give it to you, Mark, this is really a good find because earlier today I had a Miller Lite. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so thoughts and prayers for me, right? Uh, but, yes, you, you do get a, a bit of a bitter taste there. And, uh, Mark, you were saying something, you know, off the uh, microphone earlier about why that is this beer has that mineral taste ah yeah the the thing about this beer and a lot of other ales english ales that would be called burton ales um it's it really is in the water the water has a very high mineral content and because of that it interacts in a very specific way with with the hops and the malt and it gives you this really clean and crisp kind of back taste that uh, is uniquely British, but most of the time no one catches it because they'll have had something else to drink before they've had the, <laughs> before they've had the English ale and it just masks it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I was going to say this, I, I've had it one other time as a draft and it, it really does remind me, even though we got it out of the bottle here, it does remind me of that time that I did have it out of the draft. Some beers just taste night and day you know, when they come out of a bottle versus the draft. Well, if, you, if you're if you a very lucky man, you'll find Old Speckled Hen in a in a pub where they're 
dispensing it by hand pull with a, no carbonation or no nitrogen, which is the way they usually do it. And hand pull is the old way of dispensing beer. And basically it's just this, this nice little machine that injects air into the, into the keg. The beer comes out the other end, and it's really, really light and foamy. It's almost like a beer milkshake. Oh, wow. That sounds delicious. <laughs> Any other thoughts uh, on this beer, Mark? Yeah, you know, I really like this beer for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is it's one of the few British ales you can still find in the U.S. Mm. Um, yeah, For me, it's, it's one where uh, I'd gladly drink this any time. And, you know, if... You want you really want to drink this beer either by itself or with something you know light food wise like fish and chips because if you don't uh, all those nice little nuances will just disappear. But the beer itself is fantastic. I mean it's five point two percent alcohol, so it's not not going to knock you down or anything. It's got a real nice start with a crisp taste and a slightly bitter finish. Uh, just overall, I you know I love this beer and can't say enough good about it. Since we've been drinking this old speckled hen, we have to, you know, come back to the original question, which is, is drinking alcohol a sin? I mean, technically, are we sinning right now by drinking alcohol? And Mark, what has been your experience with this in Christianity over the years? (laughs) Well, Dan, I was raised in a church that viewed any kind of alcoholic drink as a serious sin for a Christian. You know, every week we'd hear Bible verses uh, given to us from the pulpit that uh, drunkenness was, uh, you know, terrible and drinking was terrible. And you know, kind of the the underlying lesson was, you know, if you never start drinking socially in moderation, then you'll never run the risk of abusing it. But, uh, you know, having a couple of beers and being a Christian were thought to be mutually exclusive. Hmm. And growing up, Bowling was my hobby and my passion. I was pretty good at it, if you don't mind me saying so. <laughs> at age 18, I was bowling with guys in their 30s and 40s in leagues where the players had to have a minimum average of 190 and there was no handicap. Um, so it was a big deal to me. Uh, but at age 20, I had to quit because my team sponsor dropped out and our captain chose a beer company as a sponsor. And my pastor at the time had a holy cow <laughs> and told me to choose between bowling and God. So I chose to quit bowling, and looking back on now with what I know about God, it was the wrong choice, but I'm sure that there was a reason for it. You have to choose between bowling and God. Wow. that's uh, that. Uh, we won't go down this rabbit trail, but that reminds me of throwing away all my Death Leopard CDs or tape cassettes, you know, because, <laughs> you know, I, I, yeah, had a moment. Um, but I grew up hearing that alcohol was the devil's juice, I understand where this idea, the belief comes from. Uh, in the late 1800s and early 1900s, factory workers had a really rough life. They were working in they had you know, conditions that you know OSHA would shut down that factory if they could uh, today. And they, <laughs> they would pull out their automatic weapons, OSHA would, and uh, <laughs> start firing on those guys. And... So after a horrible, grueling day, you know, and they get paid on Friday, they went out to the pub and basically spent all their money for beer getting drunk because that numbed the feeling of the grind that they were in. And unfortunately, many of these guys had families, 
and the wife and kids, and you can already see where this is going. This is one of the things that was a lightning rod for the prohibition uh, movement there. Uh, Many believe that um, some people, uh, well-meaning, pushed for this 18th Amendment, and it was passed, and it prohibited alcohol in the U.S. even after the amendment was repealed. The fight against alcohol continued with several church denominations. All right, here's the deal. You, You just have to be careful with alcohol, you know, and it can be an escapism, and it can numb you from life, and if you have a weakness with it, then obviously stay away. And sometimes you may not know that you have a weakness with it until you figure out you have a weakness with it. And I, I think it really comes back to what it says at the, you know, the Delphi Temple, which is know thyself. Mm. Know who you are. Know your weaknesses. And, again, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't, give him a, don't leave the door open for him. So, Mark, what does the Bible say about alcohol? Well, you know, <laughs> the Bible doesn't really talk about alcohol so much. Um, I mean, it does, but it, it it's, well, we'll get there in a minute. Anyway, <laughs> before we go there, um, I'd really like to share a quote from one of my favorite Christian authors, uh, C.S. Lewis. In Mere Christianity, Lewis wrote, It's a mistake to think that Christians ought to all be teetotalers. Mohammedism, what's now called Islam, not Christianity, is the teetotal religion. Of course, it may be the duty of a particular Christian, or of any Christian at any particular time, to abstain from strong drink, either because he's the sort of man who cannot drink at all without drinking too much, or because he wants to give the money to the poor, or because he is with people who are inclined to drunkenness and must not encourage them by drinking himself. But the whole point is that he is abstaining, for a good reason, from something which he does not condemn and which he likes to see other people enjoying. One of the marks of a certain type of bad person is that he cannot give up a thing himself without wanting everyone else to give it up. And that's not the Christian way. So now if we, if we look at the Bible... You know, the Bible doesn't have a commandment that says, thou shalt not drink alcohol, uh, but there are verses that address drinking. You know, uh, there's That a, wasn't one of the Ten Commandments, huh? No, it's not the 11th commandment or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's right, a, right. Homer Simpson's commandment. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. we, we can look at like Ephesians uh, 5.18. You know, uh, Paul says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that, that's good advice for certain. Yes, uh, and, uh, we can look in Proverbs. There's uh, quite a few things in Proverbs. Uh, uh, chapter thirty-one, verse six says, "Alcohol is for the dying, and wine for those in bitter distress." Uh, Proverbs twenty, verse one says, "Wine produces mockers; alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray by drink cannot be wise." Well, you know, we'll, we'll pause it right there with some of these other scriptures but it's it's very very true because alcohol does bring out or highlight you know if you drink too much the real you and you know i can see why for some people that's that that can be a problem and why they do need to avoid that because it changes their personality so it takes takes the barriers down to to, to common courtesy or whatever, if yeah. if, if inclined, if you're inclined that way, I mm-hmm. get that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we have a Psalm 104, verse 14 and 15. You cause grass to grow, 
for the livestock and plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth, wine to make them glad, olive oil to soothe their skin, and bread to give them strength. And I think it's interesting how it portrays wine there. It's, it's, not, it's not the devil's juice. going to get you. Well, it, it's, it's like anything that God has given us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you abuse it, it's a bad thing. That's true. If you use it for the way that God intended it, then, then it's a good thing, and we're blessed by it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Paul told us several times, you know, self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah, yes it is. Well, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, it says, Don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you are sick so often. And it wasn't like they had, you know, bottled water back then. You know, people were bathing in it and all of that, and he's drinking water because he wants to be a good Christian and not drink so much, wine, you know, drink, drink the wine. And uh, Paul's like, eh, not. Not so fast there, Timothy. <laughs> so Timothy wasn't reaching in his uh, case for a bottle of Evian or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't. Uh, I remember uh, in my, being in my life of Jesus class in Bible college, and the professor gave his thoughts about Jesus turning water into wine. He could not even fathom that it was actual alcohol, uh, like wine, basically, because why would Jesus allow people to drink alcohol and have the possibility of getting drunk and then, you know, leading to, you know, sin or, or something? It, it had to be grape juice, according to him. And it, the problem with it being just grape juice, and I've heard that over the years growing up in, you know, so many different denominations. But think about it. If they're just drinking grape juice all day, there's going to be a pretty long line for that bathroom at that wedding. They didn't have a lot of porta potties either. They did not. They did not have that. And, you know, if you don't believe me, hey, drink a couple glasses of grape juice and see what happens. You know, scholars like William Barclay have theorized that in ancient times there was not as much alcohol in it as there was today. Could this be true? Sure. Can we prove it? No. Uh, the biggest takeaway in that culture is that they drank wine because it, in certain areas, you just, like we said earlier, you couldn't drink the water. You know, again, you, hopefully you're catching a common theme here. You know, we're really stressing. Just keep it in moderation. You know, be careful that you don't use that as an escapism to numb feelings. And so you don't do really deal with life. Um, because then that's, that can definitely lead you, take you down a bad, a bad, um, bad hole. Mark? Well, Dan, you know, I'd, I'd like to share one more quote from C.S. Lewis, yeah. also from his book, Mere Christianity. Uh, Lewis wrote there, One piece of mischief has been done by the modern restriction of the word temperance to the question of drink. It helps people to forget that you can be just as intemperate about lots of other things. A man who makes his golf or his motor bike the center of his life or a woman who devotes all of her thoughts to clothes or bridge or a dog is being just as intemperate as someone who gets drunk every evening of course it does not show on the outside so easily you know bridge mania or golf mania do not make you fall down in the middle of the road but god is not deceived by externals you know and dan 
I think personally that if C.S. Lewis were alive today, he'd probably add sports mania and social media mania to his list of excesses. I mean, because they can destroy a person just as easily as alcohol. That's true. I hope I never get that bridge mania. Sounds really terrible. (laughs) I got to say. Well, folks, uh, thanks for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, we are not saved because we are eternally faithful to the Savior. We are saved because He is eternally faithful to us.